0: Hey, everyone, you doing okay? One chicken in every pot. Two cars in every garage. When I was a high school student in Zimbabwe, studying the O-level syllabus through Cambridge, we studied American history. And this phrase came up. One chicken in every pot, two cars in every garage. And this was attributed to Herbert Hoover, although if you research, he may never actually have said those words. But that's the kind of things that politicians say to get them elected. One chicken in every pot, two cars in every garage. And as we enter an election year as a nation, politicians do what politicians do. They do what leaders do, which is try to put before us a picture, a compelling picture of a better tomorrow. A picture that fulfills our dreams. What is the Kenyan dream? A lot. A plot. Ah. A plot, even if you never farm it, it's okay, as long as you know it's there. That's a start. A house in Kilimani, Rwanda. What is the American dream? White picket fences. Perhaps more importantly, friends, this morning, what is your dream? What is your vision of a better tomorrow? And I want to encourage us this morning to be a people who dream big dreams. One of the designers, as I understand it, of the city of Chicago, he was a man called Daniel Burnham. And he said this, he said, make no little plans. They have no magic to stir men's blood. Probably themselves will not be realized. Make big plans. Aim high in hope and work. Remembering, this is a great line, as we send our kids out to kids' church, remembering that our sons and grandsons and daughters, and granddaughters, are going to do things that would stagger us. Let your watchword be order, and your beacon, beauty. I'm going to encourage us to be a people who dream big dreams, but I must confess, I feel somewhat weak this morning, I feel somewhat inadequate this morning, and that is in part Because I am aware that as we talk about a brighter tomorrow, about a better future, my tendency, and maybe your tendency also, is to settle for way too little. And as we paint, as we paint a picture of a better tomorrow, my prayer for us, is God. May we not settle for too little. May we not be like Esau in the the Sunday school story, Jacob and Esau. One day Esau comes home famished, the Bible says. And he was hungry. And he said to his brother Jacob, give me that stew. Now Esau was the firstborn, Jacob the second. And Jacob said to him, not until you give me my birthright. Esau says, I'm dying here. What's this talk about birthrights? Just give me the stew. And Esau traded his birthright for a bowl of red stew. And if you look just like the scripture, But if you look at even more contemporary witnesses, you'll find agreement. You'll find great wisdom. You'll find people agreeing on this like these two guys. C.S. Lewis, a well-known theologian, and uh, some of you will see the screenshot there from Sonic Hedgehog. One of Jim Carrey's better performances, I think. C.S. Lewis, an Oxford professor from the middle of the last century he penned these famous words. He said, it would seem that our Lord, Jesus, next slide, finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex And ambition when infinite joy is offered us. It's like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. Our friends, we're, we're too easily pleased. We like kids in Mathari slum or wherever who are making mud pies and someone comes and says, Hey, do you know that just a day's train ride away? There are endless beaches. There's beautiful sunshine. There's, there's, you can dive into the sea. There's all the fish you could eat. You can go snorkeling and see colors on the fish that you've never even dreamt of. You can do kite surfing. You can do this, this, this and that. I know what you're thinking, you're thinking, yeah, look, the C.S. Lewis guy, he's an academic, which equals boring, he's dead, all his selfies are in black and white, which is like, guys who do black and white selfies and are dead would say stuff like that. And here's why this is so important, friends, it's so important. Because even someone like Jim Carrey, who's alive and wealthy and famous and can make millions of people around the world laugh, he said, I wish, I wish everyone could get rich and famous and everything they ever dreamed of so they can see that's not the answer. And so at the outset of this morning, friends, I want to make a bold request of you, and that's to put aside your small ambitions. Put aside the plot, the house in Runda, the white picket fence, none of those are bad things but they are far too little to settle for. And this morning, we want to put a vision before you that encapsulates what God has called us to as a people. And uh, it's also every Tribe Sunday. You'll see the link in a few moments. But then next week... We want to explain to you how, as a church, we're going to take intentional, deliberate steps over the next two years to help us fulfill our mission. And so we need you to get into your hearts over the next two weeks, two sentences. Do you think you can manage that? Two sentences in two weeks? I hope that you'll come back next Sunday. I hope between this Sunday and next, you'll give some, some thought and prayer to this. But for now, I'd love us to turn in our Bibles to Acts chapter 11, verse 19, because this story, perhaps more than any other story in the whole Bible, best articulates what one tribe is about. Please read with me from verse 19. Now those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed, they traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word, listen to this, only among Jews. Some of them, however, ah, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, they went to Antioch, and they began to speak to Greeks also telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. Pause. They're trying something that has never been tried before. The Jews coming from Jerusalem, which is over here, they would go and if they saw another Jew, they would tell them the good news about the Lord Jesus. But if they saw a non-Jew, They would say, no, 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 we're not going to talk to you. We're going to find another Jew to tell them the good news about the Lord Jesus. But then these innovators, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, they said, we're going to tell the good news, not just to Jews, but also to non-Jews. And when it says Greeks also, that actually just represents the different nations of the world. They're saying, we've seen this work in the hearts of people who have have worshipped the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now we want to see if this baby can cross borders, if this baby can cross languages, if this baby can cross ethnic boundaries. This is new and untried. How's it going to work out? Wonder no more. Verse 21 tells us, Ah, the Lord's hand was with them. And a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. Now news of this reached the church in Jerusalem and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When Barnabas arrived and saw that, he saw what the grace of God had done. He was glad and he encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man full of the Holy Spirit. And a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Now then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when Barnabas found Saul, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. Interesting note, the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. Now, during this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them named Agabus stood up and through the Spirit predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. By the way, if you want to check whether this happened, this is what's still Luke talking. If you want to check if this happened, it did during the reign of Claudius. It's documented in the history books. This happened during the reign of Claudius. The disciples, each as, one, as each one was able, decided to provide help for the brothers and sisters living in Judea. This they did, sending their gifts to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. We pick up the story in Acts 13. Now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon called... Does anyone know how to pronounce that? Niger. Niger. Lucius of Cyrene. Some people may think that this may be a reference to Luke, who's writing the book of Acts, but that's unclear. Manaan, who'd been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. Now, while they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit spoke. The Holy Spirit said, "Set, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. Team, this brings us to our mission as a church. Are you ready for it? This feels kind of like that opening scene in Mission Impossible, where Tom Cruise gets the message that will self-destruct in five seconds. Your mission, our mission, should we choose to accept it, is to multiply gospel centered spirit empowered missional churches in Nairobi and beyond in other words to take what they did in antioch and to do it again in Nairobi and everywhere that God can take us now The Antioch Church did that. And we have the audacity, no, we have the humility to say, God, would you do something similar in Nairobi? I'm going to break down that statement over the next uh, 20 or 25 minutes, and then um, we're going to do some fun stuff and sing together at the end. Let's talk about Nairobi and beyond. In other words, let's talk about every tribe. This is an Every Tribe Sunday. And Acts 11 verse 20 says that these men from Cyprus and Cyrene, they came and they did something that hadn't been done. They told the good news about Jesus to non-Jews, to Greeks also. Now, this is a paradigm shift. And if I call it a paradigm shift, that's an understatement because when Steve Jobs in 2007 released the iPhone, that was a paradigm shift. But this is something way, way bigger. They are offering Jesus. Intentionally to the nations of the world. And then out of that is birthed this wonderful, outward-looking, missional, intentional, self-sacrificing community that is so diverse. And in Acts 13, verse 1, we get a glimpse of that. First of all, there's Barnabas. Barnabas, we know about him. He's, he's a, he's a Jew and he's a, he's, his name is Joe and they tell us where he comes from. And then after Barnabas comes a, a Simeon called Niger. No prizes for guessing what color he was. And then you've got Lucius from Cyrene and Cyrene is from North Africa. So you've got people from the Middle East and people from North Africa. And then you've got Manaian. Manaian grew up with Herod the Tetrarch. This was a man who understood dynasties. This was a man who was, was, had, a, had an, a, a, an affluent upbringing. This was a man who was well-connected. And then you have Saul, the rabbi from Tarsus, a Hebrew of Hebrews, a Pharisee. Of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, this wonderfully diverse church. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, okay. So they had different nations and different people groups in the church. What's the big deal about that? If you cross the Northern Bypass and you go to the United Nations, you'll find all kinds of different countries represented. We've got some flags up over here, but if you go to the Olympics, you'll see people carrying flags. What's the big deal about this, friends? The big deal about this? Is that despite the United Nations having existed for decades and the League of Nations before that, but despite education and healthcare and social media, to this day, we have not been able in Kenya to find a solution for tribalism in Kenya. Does anyone think I'm wrong? To this day, we have not been able to find a solution for racism and inequality in South Africa. Does anyone think I'm wrong? We have not been able to find an answer to the Tigray conflict. We have not been able to unite North and South Korea. We have not been able to find a solution for Black Lives Matter in 2022. But right here in the church in Antioch, they are pointing us forward. It's a foretaste. Of the end game, it's a foretaste of a day that is coming, that actually is captured in Revelation chapter 7 and verse 9, where John writes down the vision he saw and he says, I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb, friends. I cannot wait for that day. A day when in the words of Martin Luther King, black men and white men, Jews and Gentiles, Protestants and Catholics, Kikuyu and Luo, expat and Kenyan, black person from South Africa and white Afrikaner, people from different parts of Ethiopia, First world and third world will be able to join hands and worship the only one worthy of all the worship that can ever be given. That day, there'll be a unity that is way, way bigger than the Super Bowl, my American friends, way, way bigger than the Olympics, way, way bigger than the World Cup soccer. Friends, this is a day... When the nations will stream in and bring their glory to the one who has purchased them from every tribe and tongue, we will come in waving our flags. This, this, there's no other thing like this. If you think this has been pretty cool, imagine this. Times a billion billion. And then you begin to understand that party. Yesterday I was listening to the song from uh, The Greatest Showman, and with apologies to Hugh Jackman. Friends, this is The Greatest show because it will be a display of God's glory unlike anything else that the world has ever seen. John Piper helps us understand why it brings so much glory to God to see the nations worshipping him together. John Piper, he's brilliant, but you've got to focus your mind to track with what he's saying. He gives four reasons. I've condensed them down to three in his book, um, let the nations be glad. Reason number one why this is so important is he says that the beauty and power of praise that comes from unity in diversity is greater than that which comes from unity alone. It would be kind of cool if the nation of Israel worshipped him. For what John Piper is saying, but it is way, way cooler when every tribe and tongue comes and joins the celebration. You see, if there were no black people on that day, who would do the dancing? And if there were no white people on that day, who will make sure we start on time? Ah, but friends... Can you imagine a display of the glory of God where the, the the Swiss are in charge of the timing and 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 the the, the Indians are in charge of, of the, the 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 dress and 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 the, the 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 Kenyans are in charge of the nyama choma yes we will leave that to you friends this is the greatest show the beauty and power of praise that comes from unity in diversity is greater than that which comes from unity alone. And he gives the analogy of an orchestra. I remember in our early days, we had um, someone leading worship, maybe on a guitar, drums, and a bass. And a couple of people gave feedback, which is always welcoming in this church. They said, hey, we love the worship at One Tribe. It is very, very cool. But it might be even cooler if we could add... Keyboard and an electric guitar because that brings a diversity, it brings different voices, it brings a richness to our togetherness. And if you multiply that by a thousand thousand, then you understand the richness that comes as we glorify God from every nation, people, tribe, and tongue. Secondly, John Piper. I'm paraphrasing him here. It says the greatness of our rescuer will be shown by the great diversity of the rescued ones. Revelation 5.9, uh, Cephas brought it to us last week at the beginning of his message. It was a picture of, of this multitude before the throne and they saying, you are worthy. You are worthy to be praised because you purchased men from every people and nation and tribe and tongue. And then, reason number three that this is so important, according to John Piper, is that diversity is the antidote to tribalism. You see, it's only on that day that we begin to fully understand that there's only one problem, it has nothing to do with skin and everything to do with sin. And if the problem is sin, there can only be one solution. And that is the sin bearer, Jesus Christ. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. That is the problem. I'm about to get real up in here. My white brothers and sisters, can I let you in on a secret? When black people get together without you there, when we are talking, we look over our shoulders and make sure there are no white people in sight. And then we say to one another, you know, I'm black and I still don't understand some of the things that we do as black people. You ever had that conversation? And I see problems in Zimbabwean culture, problems in Kenyan culture. But then I watch the news from the West and I realize we are not alone in our problems. (laughs) Because it's not about skin. It's all about sin. And on that day when sin from every culture is washed away, will be wearing white robes and worshipping him alone. I cannot wait. So that's why we want to have a vision for every tribe to come to him. We want to multiply in Nairobi and beyond because that's what God is doing, is he's taking the good news, the gospel, To every nation, that is what Jesus Christ is doing. Friends, give up your small ambitions. Jesus never said, I am building you a house in Kilimani or Karen or Runda. Jesus never said, I am building you a great big bank account. Jesus never said, I am building you a big business and an amazing career. Jesus said, the one thing I'm doing between now and my coming back is building my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Are you with me or not? And friends, when you believe in your heart that that is what Jesus is doing, anything else becomes too small a thing. I'm not against houses in Karen. God bless you with a house in Karen. But God give you a holy discontent that will not allow you to settle for too small a thing. Jesus is taking the good news about who he is to the ends of the world. That brings us to the next thing. That is, these church, these churches that we want to multiply are not just any kind of church. They are gospel-centered churches. Can you say gospel-centered like you did for Susan Grace? Gospel-centered. Now, <clears throat> um, precious, i so just move down to the gospel-centered piece, if you don't mind. What happened is that these Jews, they, they, they began to speak to non-Jews, to Greeks as well, and they began to tell them the good news about the Lord Jesus. And after they'd done that for a while, Barnabas came from Jerusalem, and he saw what the grace of God had done. Now, I don't have time to fully unpack the gospel for you. We're going to take four weeks in May, in the first week of uh, June, to unpack the gospel in a four-part series. I'm excited about it. But between now and then, to tide you over, we're just going to do a mini crash course in the gospel. The gospel is three things. Number one, it is good news. Number two, it's good news about the Lord Jesus. Number three, it's good news about the Lord Jesus and the grace of God. Number one, the gospel is good news. That means it's not bad news. That means that when you hear it, it, has, it makes your life better than it was before. Now, I didn't say it's going to give you a Mercedes, and, but I'm saying that it's good news. It brings joy into our hearts. Believers should be the happiest people in the workplace because we're the ones who've received good news. Too many Christians walk around looking like they believed bad news like they've received bad news. And I love it when the band gets up on a Sunday morning and reminds us that he we are a good news people. And I love it when Yvonne will get up and she will say, Akonami, God is with me. And uh, Anne is next and singing, yes, God is with us. And then Damaris is in her German, does it have a name like Liederhosen? Is that close enough? That's for the guy. Okay, back to my notes is what you're saying. Okay. And they're saying, God is with me. And what I love about these three ladies is because I know that they don't just sing that on good days, they sing it on bad days. Because even on a bad day, God is still good. And we're people who carry, carry good news. And it's not, just good, it's not just good advice, it's good news. Too many Christians are looking for churches in Nairobi that'll give you good advice. Give me advice about how to get married. Give me advice about how to get a better marriage. Give me advice about how to stay out of trouble. Give me advice about how to bring my children up. Now, none of those is necessarily bad, but I don't want you to confuse good advice with good news. Good news is about not what, these are suggestions for what might improve your life. Good news is about an event that happened that has ramifications that affect you and that go beyond you. I had a wonderful experience. Actually, it wasn't a wonderful experience, but it was a one that made me think, I woke up in the morning and um, I'm house-sitting in Runda, by the way, that's hence the Runda references. But I was house-sitting and I got up, I came to the office, spent a couple of hours with the staff team as we're planning for today, the power goes out. That happens in Nairobi, we came came up with a plan. And then from there, I went to meet with a couple of our deaconesses in Tigoni at Brackenhurst. And then after we finished those meetings, I went into the restaurant area and I saw Cephas. I was surprised to see him there. I said, Cephas, what's happening? He said, I had to leave home because we had a power cut over there so I came to Brackenhurst, where I could do some work, and that's when I began to realise that what I thought really was just about me, or just affected me, maybe a small blackout over here, or maybe something else to go. And I began to connect the dots. And a lot of you will have seen this next image up on the screen. That what had happened, and this is this is forward worthy, this is newsworthy, is a pylon. Uh, uh, these, these these structures had fallen in Embakasi and caused a nationwide blackout. That affects you and applies to you whether you like it or not. That's a news event that happened that has ramifications for the whole nation. Does that make sense? And the gospel is good news about something that has already happened. It's good news about the Lord Jesus. He came and lived the perfect life you could never live, and He died a death on our cross, on on, on the cross for our sins. He was buried, 1 Corinthians 15 says, and he was raised. That is the good news that has implications for every man, woman, and child who's ever walked the earth. It's good news about the Lord Jesus Christ and the grace of God. The grace of God tells me that what we receive because of Jesus' death on the cross doesn't come to me because of good works or good behavior, but it comes as a free gift that I receive by faith and by faith alone. And friends, a gospel-centered church has teaching that reflects this and a church culture that reflects this. And that's what we want to see multiplied in Nairobi and beyond. That is why a family of five moved from Zimbabwe to Nairobi in 2015 because we tasted something of this and we said, this is worth giving our lives for. We want to be gospel centered. Next, we want to be spirit empowered. And sometimes churches that talk a lot about the Holy Spirit can get a reputation for being the arrogant guys because you think you've got the Holy Spirit, but we don't. But friends, take it from me. This is not based on arrogance. This is based on an awareness of our weakness. To help me illustrate this, maybe two of our pastors, our elders can come up. Kogi, could you come and stand over here? Simba, could you come and stand over here? Could you give them a a hand? They tried with the Kenyan dress. Got pipped at the post. I want you to see what happened. Acts 11, verse 21. They shared the gospel. And when you share the gospel, what happens? The Bible says, the Lord's hand was with them. This was the kind of church that when you walked around there, you said, this can only have been the hand of God, nothing else. Now, I want you to understand. If you take Samson, the Bible says that the Spirit would come upon Samson. And when the Spirit came upon Samson, he would take the jawbone of of, of a donkey and do Jack Bauer Avenger-type stuff, he'd go Avenger on the Philistines. And people would say, where does he get his strength from? Now I know that as you've been growing up, maybe even today, when you pictured Samson, you pictured someone like Simba. Here's the problem with that. If Samson looked like Simba, people wouldn't say, where does he get his strength from? No, friends, the revelation is I I strongly suspect Samson looked more like Kogi. (laughs) And you're saying this guy took out that Philistine, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're saying this guy put his hands on the pillars of that Philistine temple and brought it down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Where does he get his strength from? And friends, that's the joy for me of one tribe. As I walk around and I think, I know me. (laughs) I know Kogi. And I know Simba. And if one person comes to Christ, if one person gets healed if one stronghold is broken. I know that it comes from one stronger than I, one stronger than us, and that's the Spirit. And that's why we desperately need to be a Spirit-empowered people. Because I don't know about you, but there isn't enough in me to take anything to the nations of the world. But when the Spirit comes, we'll receive power and we'll be His witnesses in Nairobi and Kenya and East Africa. And to the ends of the earth. Give them another hand as they sit down. So we want to be a spirit-filled church. And um, if you want to know some next steps on that, well, one thing we do about once a term is we have a first event. We want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. The Bible says Barnabas was full of the Holy Spirit. And so when we um uh, uh when we come together on a first morning, we say, God, would you fill us with your Holy Spirit? The next one is on Saturday, the 9th of February. And uh, so we want to we want to multiply gospel-centered, spirit-empowered, missional churches in Nairobi and beyond. That brings us to the missional bit, okay? A missional church is one that is seeing God's kingdom come in Nairobi as it is in heaven. And that's what we want to do, is we want to see God's kingdom come. God's will be done. We want to take the good that we see in Revelation. We are an outpost of heaven. We have tasted of the power of the ages to come, uh, the Bible says. And we bring the powers of that age, and we bring them into this age. We are those who bring the kingdom wherever we go. And so, friends, we want to multiply gospel-centered, spirit-empowered, missional churches in Nairobi and beyond. I've got one more point. But before we do that, I want to make sure you're tracking with me. Uh, studying in university and postgraduate studies, I've tried to come up with lots of tricks to help me remember these things. And uh, the experts on Vision Sunday say that you should send, send people away with a wristband with the vision written on it, um, or give them a water bottle or something like that. And uh, being an African, I said that that is way too expensive, uh, but we've also got something way, way cooler. We're gonna put this to some actions. So everyone stand with me. This is how you're gonna remember uh, what we've been talking about this morning. Okay. We need something for multiplied. Multiplied is this. Okay. The kind of Wakanda sign. Okay. And then we need a sign for gospel centered. And, uh, I thought that something like this is pretty cool. It's kind of, uh, I just think it's pretty cool. It's kind of at the center of our being. It changes our hearts from the inside out like we were singing. It's kind of the gospel coming into confrontation with with idols in our culture. We want to be a gospel-centered church. Come along, guys. And then um, for spirits empowered, you got to give me a front double biceps pose. Missional is uh, just that. You don't have to turn like I'm doing, but I want you to get it in profile, missional churches. We're going somewhere. And where are we going to do it? We want to do it in Nairobi and beyond, okay? Are you getting it? So we're going to go through it, and I want you to say the words with me now, okay? Multiplying, gospel-centered, Spirit-empowered, missional churches, Nairobi and beyond. One more time. Yeah, quicker than I thought. That's, 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 that's good. One more time, one, two, three, multiplying, gospel-centered, spirit-empowered, missional churches in Nairobi and beyond. Okay, there's one more step. Come on up, come on up, Damaris. There's one more step. Together with a couple of members of the band, we said, um, maybe we can put this to music and make it a dance, that's, that's African. And uh, we considered many dances, I wanna tell you this. Uh, we looked at Jerusalem, and we thought, uh, that's not quite what we're looking for. I, uh, Out of love for you, I went and looked at the Gangnam Style videos and thought, no, 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 that's not gonna work for us. But um, then we found one in the archives that we thought would fit really, really well. And uh, back then we called it, the Macarena. And so this morning in church at One Tribe, we're going to do the Mission Macarena. Okay. Okay. So you guys can get going with the Macarena. We'll uh, try figure out where it fits in. Okay. Loosen up. Now, listen, you've got to move your hips a little bit. Not too much. I'm that Shakira business. But you've got to move your hips a little bit, okay? Multiplying, gospel centered, spirit empowered, missional churches. Nairobi and beyond. Hey, Macarena. Multiplying, gospel centered, spirit empowered, missional. Nairobi and beyond. Here we go. Hey, Macarena. Say with me multiplying gospel center spirits empowered missional Nairobi and beyond Hey Macarena. Now watch multiplying gospel center spirits empowered missional Nairobi and beyond Hey last time multiplying gospel center spirits empowered missional Nairobi and beyond Hey Macarena give yourselves a hand grab a seat final points we want to be a multiplying church (laughs) friends when you look through the book of Acts the picture you see of the church in Acts is of a people who are multiplying. The Bible says the first sermon, 3,000 were swept into the kingdom. Soon after that, it says that the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. After that, it says that many who heard the message believed, so the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. More and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. This is what church is, friends. We're not free to define it for ourselves. And the call to us this morning is to center ourselves not on our own preferences, not on our individual small ambitions but to lay down our lives for something so much bigger than us. Something that touches eternity. We want to play our part, like Damaris said earlier, in seeing every tribe and tongue come to him. We want to be crystal clear about how they did that in the book of Acts and therefore how we want to do it. By multiplying. Gospel-centered. Spirit-empowered. Missional Churches. In Nairobi, oh we love Nairobi, there's more to be done in this city, but it's not just about Nairobi, it's beyond, until every tribe is heard. Can you imagine what would happen if 120, 150, however many of us are here, said, God, we want to give our all for this because you gave you all for us. Can you imagine what would happen? Can you imagine what would happen if every church in Nairobi centered themselves on putting Jesus on display so that every tribe would hear, every nation would hear? Can you imagine if every church in the world said forget about the prosperity stuff. Forget about this fascination and that fascination. Forget about what's cool. Let's get behind what Jesus is doing, and what he's going to carry on doing until there's a countless multitude from every tribe before the throne. Can you imagine what would happen if every church on planet Earth today did that? Friends, if that happened, we would finish this great commission in this generation. But you know what? This morning, I can't control what every church on the planet does. I can't even control what every church in Nairobi does. I can't even control what every person in this room does. But like you, I can say, God, I don't see it all. I don't fully understand this gospel-centered, spirit-empowered, missional stuff, but I've seen enough to say, God, would you show me more? And all it takes is for one of us this morning to get that. And as the band comes up and leads us in our final song, I want to read a poem that talks about what happens when one man gets this. The poem says, One man awake, one man awake, awakens another. The second awakens his next door brother. The three awake can rouse a town by turning the whole place upside down. The many awake can cause such a fuss. It finally awakens the rest of us. One man up with dawn in his eyes surely then multiplies.